Hello and welcome to a new episode of Dear Ruby, where we are answering all your personal finance questions, especially during this time of COVID-19. A lot of Canadians, a lot of people around the world worried about how they're going to manage their money going forward. Millions of Canadians have lost their jobs. Uh, millions of Canadians have seen their hours reduce and are now concerned about how they're going to pay for their essential items like food and shelter and some transportation that they might need to get around to get things. Uh, we here at Dear Ruby have been listening to what people have been saying, trying to bring you the latest information, whether it be from the federal and the provincial governments, whether it be from new programs that are announced and whether it just be from new statistics that are out there that tell us and give us a better idea of what's happening in Canada right now uh, when it comes to people's job situations, when it comes to people's financial situations. Uh, I'm here with my co-host, Bo Humphreys. Bo, how's it been this week for you? You know, this week, I you saw this. I got an email from Google Maps uh, that told me my activity for April. Uh, you know, it, it's not, not usually that much because I, I stay home a lot and, you know, I have a baby, so... And in the past, not that much either, but it said I traveled one kilometer in the entire month of April. And uh, even for this situation, it seemed a little bit low. So, so explain to me what that means. You only walked one kilometer in the entire month of April or you only drove that much? What does that map well, actually tell usually you? Usually it, ha- it has a, an icon for walking and for vehicle. So usually there's some in the vehicle, but there was none in this one because I didn't drive at all in April. And then in the walking one, it was like you only, and it's a horizontal move, right? It doesn't count when I go up and down the stairs or, you know, if mm-hmm. I don't have my phone with me. So I do run, like not now, but normally I run, so it would never count that anyway because I don't run with my phone. But in this case, that means I only went one place and I know where it was. I went to get takeout uh, one time in April, uh, and then my wife did everything else after that. I never left the house. <laughs> so it's not like you only walked one kilometer. It just shows that you only had your phone for that one kilometer when you were walking. I mean, you're still staying active. You're jogging. You're moving well, up no, and down. Well, no, not now. Not during this month. I'm not jogging now. Normally I do, but I didn't uh, do that. I did go up and down the stairs a lot, and you know, I walk a lot with the baby. So it doesn't count that, but I still, it's probably not that much. You should be outside more than uh, for a kilometer, however long that takes, right? in a month i would think so I we'll would see think so. <laughs> we'll see how it goes in may i i uh you know i it, it really just i'm trying to be okay with it i'm trying not to be too judgmental of myself right because everyone's responding to this differently everyone has different tolerance for risk i just realize it's not doesn't make a lot of sense for me to go outside because i don't have that need and now it could possibly hurt somebody Right. If I pick up something and then, you know, if there's any risk of of that, I'm more likely to just stay inside. But uh, maybe I'll find a balance in in May. We'll we'll see. Yeah. I mean, um, everyone is being super safe. I think that jogging is probably a pretty safe thing that you can do. I don't think that you have to worry about infecting someone as long as you're not breathing heavily as you jog by them, that you're making time to sort of switch sidewalks or maybe run on the road while someone is on the sidewalk. But um, but I think, I think you yeah. I think you gotta I think you gotta walk more than one kilometer. <laughs> I think you gotta make yourself. It was a bit of a wake up call, sure. Yeah. So uh, I wanted to talk, Bo, first about uh, the jobs numbers that came out last week. Uh, as predicted, pretty dramatic. Now, you know, it's really funny when you watch the news and the way that they sort of um, contextualize these numbers. So the the banks were expecting uh, 4 million job losses and that the unemployment rate was going to jump to 18%, 
Okay. okay. And so the numbers came in less. So they came in at 2 million job losses in April and the unemployment rate jumped to 13%. So some reporters were actually seeing this as a win, whereas I still see 2 million Canadians yeah. out of work. It's just, you know, it's just like economists. They make these forecasts when it comes to earnings. And then when they beat earnings or when they sort of, they don't, they miss earnings, but they still made millions of dollars. And so yeah, then it's a negative somehow. Oh, we missed that. You know, but yeah, you focus on the actual thing too, right? Not yeah. just the comparison. Yeah. And um, a lot of the job numbers, I don't know if you're aware, um, women are by and large are the ones that are losing jobs more than men. Um, because some of the most of the industries that have shut down, the restaurant industry, the retail industry, um, are um, very much uh, women are employed in those industries. Um, so they're they're really saying that this is going to affect. Um, this, it's a very much a gender situation at this point, where a lot of women are at work, are out of work, uh, not making money, collecting whatever government benefits they can uh, they can get, and uh, also picking up all the extra labor at home. So it's a really stressful time for women in general. Uh, for all of those things in combination. Yeah, my well, my wife is uh, she was off med med school, and then they created an online med school, but that's more flexible than my uh, job. So she is taking on the brunt of the childcare because we don't have daycare yet. But I'm trying uh, to do whatever I can to find some time here and there, and and whenever something important that she you know has to be alert for or can't move to another time, trying to do what I can. You know, maybe eventually I'll have to talk to my employer and work something out, right? If she ends up going back or uh, it becomes too much uh, where we don't have daycare yet. Because the only reason that I have a full-time job is because we got daycare. Otherwise, I was at home, right? Right, right, for, right. For three months with the baby. You know, med school is an important thing. You got to get through that. Can't have baby to take care of, right? Exactly, yeah. So, I mean, uh, you are living that right now where, you know, your, your wife is obviously picking up a lot of the slack when it comes to childcare. Um, for many people, you know, for her, she's doing something really important. She's in med school. She's going through um, all all the education that she needs to become a doctor. And it, 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 you know, for a lot of women, especially stay-at-home moms or other women that may not be in that situation, they may not be, you know, away from being uh, in a in a high-powered job or you know, be getting educated to do something great down the road. For a lot of women their day has just become that much more busier. So they used to be stay-at-home moms. They used to have some time where their kids went off to school. They'd have programs yeah. they put their kids into. They have family members that they could rely on. And now those women are really dealing with all their children and their partners being home, all the cooking and the cleaning and all the labor that goes into running a household just 24-7. I mean, I was saying to a girlfriend of mine, the one thing that I really need is me time. Like, I'm not getting any of that. And walking outside alone is great, but really I need like proper me time where I can go and do some shopping by myself and not feel like I have to wear a mask and all that, all the rest of it. I'm digressing a little bit from these numbers, but I really do think that for the first time we finally have, I'm, gonna, I'm trying to pull out the stats, we finally have some actual data that shows that women are by and large more affected by this uh, than men are. Oh, it's um, important to talk about. Yeah, yeah. Right? because we, we just think, oh, you know, uh, maybe the default from the past would be, of course, if the kids have to stay home, the women will take care of the, mo the mothers will do it. Right. And that's not how it, it should be anymore. And I think employers especially uh, have to adjust to that, too. Right. So if it's a matter of daycares don't open, well, you're going to have to accept that a bunch of different types of parents are going to be like, I can't work the same way that I used to. 
Yeah, and I mean, it, it is, it is, um, there was an article in a parenting magazine recently that went viral and really about how unsustainable this situation is and mostly mm. by and large for women how uns- because many women are still working full time and then trying to carry a full full time load when it comes to their household so the numbers here possible it's not possible and so it, it, you know um, statistics canada put really two really great infographics i was really impressed with them just comparing how things have been happening and in they this is the numbers for march but in march women were more likely than men to experience the labor market impact of covid-19 so this started right from the beginning that the job losses were coming fast and furious more than for women um, you know a lot of those other jobs like managerial jobs that haven't been lost are are, are still done by men and they, they seem to be okay working at home um, I uh, I also just wanted to point out a couple of the things that are in this infographic um, mm-hmm. do you know anyone personally who's lost their job Bo, and how they're how they're coping like are they getting the CERB or what they're doing so to get money well, I mean, you know, my parents haven't lost their job, but they have a small business that is not running because it's a bed and breakfast in Stratford where the festival has been canceled. So they are on CRB. Yeah. I mean, they, it's, uh, it's not as dire as someone who, you know, had, has dependents or anything, but they still have bills to pay and they depended on that B&B income during the season, right? So this is something that they're taking advantage of because it will help them, right? Not dip into their retirement savings. And that's yeah. important too, right? Because that was, again, the idea. You don't have a business, so that it just sits there. So that's my personal connection. I'm sure there's others that I can't think of right now I haven't spoken to personally. It seems people that I know, a lot of them are lucky to be working from home. Um, and, you know, I mean, but my, you know, my wife got pulled out of the clinical setting for med school. So that's something that's in a way that's, well, and she's in med school for that reason so that she could get the clinical experience. And now it's been adapted. Um, and she is a student, and uh, she is also volunteering, um, uh, so she might uh, qualify for that uh, grant as well. Uh, I think it was 5000 anybody who's volunteering on behalf of COVID because she's helping with the trials, the clinical trials as well. That's great. Med school too. So, yeah, it's, it's just one of those uh, uh, things. So, you know, she's going to try to take advantage of that too because med school is expensive. Mm-hmm, and exactly. any opportunity she might have had to work, uh, pick up something on the side, she doesn't have that either, right? So... And we're going to talk a little bit about um, the students uh, at the end. Uh, I, I didn't mention it um, at the top there, but I wanted to talk about a little bit of how some, some of the criticism that's coming out of the student benefit, okay. uh, and, it, you know, and just how it's being applied and what the expectation is of students. Uh, but we can we can we can leave that for the, for a little bit later in the podcast because I just wanted to highlight a bit in these numbers here that it's not just job losses. It's uh, two and a half million people also said told the, the labor force survey in the labor force survey uh, said that they have had their hours reduced and forty percent of those mm-hmm. are fearing that they might lose their job. So this is going to be another ugly month in May where a lot of people who are kind of still in the workforce so they're getting some hours. Are, are may, may be out of work once June rolls around. And when those May numbers come out, I think we're going to see another sort of seven-figure seven job loss, which is you know already more than 3 million Canadians out of work. The, the labor market's gone from 20 million uh, to uh, just 16 million. So uh, you know, uh, three and a bit million people out of work right now, collecting employment benefits, uh, whatever they can get their hands on, and, um, and, and many of them not knowing when their jobs are going to get up and running again. Um, I, for, I wanted to just uh, answer a question that I got that I was able to answer on uh, on the national on Friday, but I thought it was really important. Uh, but 
a lot of people asking, what do we do when the CERB runs out? And I yeah. think this is, you know, this is a question. Yeah, it was a great question. So this, the CERB, if you if you qualify for unemployment insurance uh, when you were in your job before COVID-19 hit and you lost your job, you would first access CERB. So after, if you lost your job after March 15th, that is, you would first access CERB, which is $2,000 a month. You can make up to $1,000 a month while you're, or uh, four weeks, I should say. My dad very specifically pointed out to me, stop saying a month. You have to say oh, yeah. four weeks. Months it's a big are difference. Different than lengths. Yeah. Yes, yes. So, yeah, so it's it's $2,000 every four weeks, up to 16 weeks maximum, yeah. and you have to apply in four-week periods, and it has to be a job loss due to COVID-19 between March 15th and October 3rd. But say you lost your job March 15th, that money is going to start running out soon. So April 15th, May 15th, June 15th, you only got a couple months left on it. If you already qualified for unemployment insurance, you can switch to that right after, and it has no effect. You taking the CERB has no effect on that unemployment. You're still considered... If your hours were made up by March 15th, it's still the same. So I, I just wanted to make that clear that taking the CERB does not hinder your chances of getting unemployment insurance um, down the road. But uh, CERB is only 2000 or, you know, like 500 a week, I guess, if you follow your dad's, uh, dad's rules. Yes. Um, <laughs> it's, uh, <laughs> but what if? Like people make a lot more than that, and they get uh, laid off. Like, doesn't the, doesn't EI isn't it a percentage? Am I wrong about that? Yeah, so it's fifty five percent of your income up to uh, I think fifty five thousand dollars. I think the maximum you can get an EI is about two thousand four hundred and change. I don't know. They don't quote okay. me on that exact number. So you can get a little bit more on EI. So the reason the CERB, they're asking people to take that first, is that's considered income support, whereas EI is considered unemployment insurance. It's sure. a sort of a different way of handling it. Um, so people are expected to first take um, the CERB. I, I guess you could take EI if you applied for it. Um, I don't know. I, I don't I haven't really gotten into the weeds of if you're allowed to take one over the other. But the expectation is, is that this is short-term relief and you get it right away. And then once okay. you're back at work, you can start getting your wage again. If for some reason you're not, then you go for unemployment, which is a little bit more full on, I guess. I just worry about people because, I, I mean, I've, I've met with a lot of them in the last month or so who rely on a specific amount to come in every month. And so, you know, if as, as much as possible of your previous income, that would be the most ideal situation if, we, if there was a setup for that, right? If you were making... You know, whatever the maximum is, as you said, twenty four hundred. You know, maybe that's not even close anyway. But at least it's another four hundred dollars more or so that you could use to buy groceries or pay mm -hmm. rent or whatever it is. But yeah, again, people are relying on the deferrals and those kinds of things too. I guess if they are in that situation where they're making tons and tons of money and now they're temporarily laid off or maybe permanently laid off. I know, as you said uh, earlier, a lot of people are just waiting. For some people are just sitting in, in wait, like, is it going to happen? I don't know. We're hoping that it doesn't, but nobody knows. They don't know how long their company, say, can hold on. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And, and, and this is the thing, that this is different from any other sort of um, economic downturn. Uh, then. So in 2008, 2009, if you lost your job, you could say with confidence, okay, I've lost my job. I may not get another job in six months. Maybe we need to downsize. Maybe we need to move to a smaller apartment. Maybe we need to get rid of one car. You could make permanent changes that mm -hmm. would then automatically um, free up some cash. 
But in this situation, the idea is, is that we're just in this holding area where we're just waiting for the economy to open up again and go back to our normal lives. So people would be reluctant to downsize or get rid of things because their idea is, as soon as we get back, I can afford these things again, so I'm not going to get rid of them and then rebuy it later. That would make no sense. But um, as much as you can, again, like you mentioned, defer as much as you can, whether that's insurance or mortgage, that's going to help your cash flow. And that's what's really important at this point. And on top of that, so let's say everything opens back up. There's all there is that risk of the second wave everyone's talking about, which mm-hmm. could, it, which could mean the government will have no choice but to shut everything down again. And who wants to go through that? Like so, the, with that there, everyone's so like just extra cautious about. Okay, great. Now we we put all the uh, the the systems in place, whatever the measures, uh, followed all the guidelines to get it all set up again. Uh, first of all, uh, who knows how long this is going to last in this way. And is anybody going to come if you're a business and buy things? Right? Exactly. Or, or yeah. if you work for a, a corporation or whatever, is there going to be enough volume in that in your business to support your job uh, after a month or two of people looking at uh, income statements and balance sheets? Right. Yeah, hundred percent. I mean, it, going in the idea of sitting close in close quarters, even in an office, just seems scary right now. I don't think. A lot of people are saying they're having a lot of anxiety about the idea of the economy opening up and what their businesses then or their workplaces then are going to expect them to do. Yeah. Another question I got was about maternity leave. So a young lady on okay, maternity yeah. leave saying that um, she, it runs out in May and uh, how is that going to work because her job is not available because of COVID-19. So yeah. if you are on uh, any kind of parental leave and it's ending during this time, if your job's not available because of COVID-19, you may still uh, qualify for the CERB. Uh, most likely, you will, will have made up all that, um, uh, all the qualifications, $5,000 you've made in the last year, um, and that you're a permanent resident of Canada, all those things that you need, you're over 15, hopefully. And um, so you could apply for CERB. And if, if once that runs out, I don't know what happens after. I don't know whether you get yeah, any unemployment knows. insurance because you've kind of exhausted your unemployment insurance before the CERB, uh, but you could apply for it at least for the f- the 16 weeks you'd have some money coming in. That's a good example of a situation that might fall through the cracks. Uh, in, in all of these plans that are set up by the government, you know, I, I don't know if they sat down and thought of, okay, what about this person? What about that person? Did they go through all the circumstances that people could be in? I don't know. Isn't this, that somebody's job at the government to do that? <laughs> so the Canada.ca is great. They, their FAQs, they have very specific answers to questions. And again, okay. you know, I really um, try to get people to go there um, to yeah. see if their question is being answered. And in fact, I think they do answer the maternity leave question in that. Okay, and so I was pretty impressed with they're obviously getting tons of questions. I mean, you and I just as regular folks, regular personal finance uh, nerds are getting questions about the CERB. Can you imagine uh, the people actually um, administering it, the kind of questions they're getting? Uh, so they're trying, I think, to the ones that they're getting more commonly to put there in the FAQs. Um, okay. So go there. To the Canada. They're doing their best so this week, to keep up with this thing, right? I think so. I mean, I don't, I mean, they're, they're going into billions of dollars in debt to help people survive this 225 billion. We talked about this last week. I mean, that's just a, that's a lot of money, right? That's mm. a lot. I mean, that's 10 times more than they, they, they had forecasted the budget uh, deficit to be when they first, uh, before COVID-19 hit, it was supposed to be 25 billion. Now it's 225 billion. Right. So that's, is that 10 times? Am I doing my math right? Yeah. Give or take. Yeah. yeah. Um, so this week, Prime Minister Justin Trudeau uh, um, announced that the, the emergency wage subsidy, this is at 75% that they're going to give yeah, okay. employers who ber- keep their employees uh, in, in the workforce, 
they're, they're going to extend that beyond June. So that says two things to me. One is this is not going to be ending anytime soon. And two, that they're going to start easing restrictions a little bit so some of these companies can start bringing employees back. And a way to encourage that is to is to keep this wage subsidy going. Because a company might say, well, I'm just going to stay shut down. Why would I reopen in this environment and take the chances, right? Yeah, so there's got to be an incentive, and that's what they're trying to do with this? Yeah, so, I mean, you know, giving, uh, giving your employees, a, like if you pay your employee um, $1,200 a week, uh, you can get eight the maximum amount, which is eight hundred and change, uh, as a wage subsidy, and then you pay the rest of the twenty five percent. The two issues with that is that some companies don't even have even that twenty five percent, like the revenues yeah. fall into zero, um, and some uh, might feel like they don't need that many workers in. They may only bring half their workforce back. Uh, in fact, volume too. Yeah. Yeah. This week I did a story with CBC about furloughs, and the employment lawyer I spoke to said that a lot of companies are doing furloughs with no uh, expectation to bring those people back. I mean, they're just hoping that they'll get other jobs and they don't have to pay them termination pay, uh, which they would have to do if they laid them off permanently. Or uh, when they finally say, okay, you're now permanently laid off, uh, you know, they'll, they'll be able to get some money together to pay them those termination packages. So a furlough is, uh, just for anyone who doesn't know, um, it's the idea is it's only supposed to be temporary, right? It's like a, it's a, is another word for a temporary lay, layoff, would you say? It is. And, and yeah. we don't use furlough very often in Canada, which is exactly why I did do, the story. Yeah. It's a very U.S., U.K. kind of uh, sure. language. And sometimes you hear it in uh, government documents. That's kind of where we've started talking about it. But furlough is employee-initiated. Empl- no, rather, sorry, I take that back. Um, Employer-initiated. So your employer will come to you and say, we're going to furlough you for an X amount of time. You have to agree to the furlough. So you have to sign oh, the agreement. I see and it can be for whatever period. There is a maximum. It depends on which province you live in. But in Ontario, I think they can furlough you up to 35 weeks. Okay. Um, so uh, what the idea is, is that we're going to bring you back. And the, the reason people agree to furlough is because usually furloughs happen in economic downturns. And you're, you're worried that you won't be able to go out and get a job. It's too daunting to actually try to look for one, especially in this environment. And you keep your medical benefits and your dental benefits. Ah, uh, yes. So a lot of people feel encouraged to, to to sign these furlough agreements, but just be aware that, and you can still look, you can still find a job. You, you're not, your hands aren't tied, uh, but that's what they're hoping is that you'll go out and get another job, and then they have to pay you that severance that they that they owe you if they lay you off. Yeah. So they're kind of getting, leaving it open for you. It's it's an interesting option, uh, and you have to agree to it. What, what, what really do you? What options do you have at that point? Like, well, you can insist that they lay you off, and then they have to pay you severance. But then you okay. might think, oh, I'm going to be at the bottom of the list of the people being hired back because I insisted to my employee uh, yeah. employer. Um, so you know, and when oh. I spoke to the employment lawyer, he said sometimes what happens is they say no. Um, I don't agree to this furlough. You have to lay me off. And they decide just to keep you on payroll because that's actually cheaper for them than to pay you termination pay. I was so, speaking to someone this week who is in a union and it's been there for mm-hmm. 14 years, say. And uh, that's mm-hmm. what their company is doing, just paying people uh, to sit around. Um, mm-hmm. And that, that's apparently that, like a deal that they cut. I'm, I don't know the, the ins and outs of whatever it is, but it's like they have to do that based on whatever they agreed, maybe in their uh, collective bargaining agreement. I don't know. but Yeah, unions are protected. different. Yeah, unions yeah, are very different. Collective agreements, uh, you know, these, the, the, they're, every, every union is different, but this is more mm-hmm. for non-unionized jobs. Sure, so maybe if you are in a union, you, you got lucky during this uh, pandemic and uh, you don't have to worry too much. 
Yeah, yeah. Well, although I know even at CBC that uh, some places they've laid them off because yeah. there's no work, right? So um, I guess maybe not always protected. A union is, you know, it, it protects you absolutely, but not uh, for every single situation. No, um, no, it basically protects you from being taken advantage of. And in this case, they may not see that that you know, for an employer to say we're laying you off for an X amount of time because there's no work. You're not. They're not taking advantage of the employee. They're basically saying that that you know go and collect unemployment insurance which you are owed um and we'll hire you back at the end to be a simple calculation that 14 or 15 years of severance is not a great idea to to pay right if that's especially if that is something in a contract even an employment contract uh could be a better option to just leave them on for now right because who again who knows what's going to happen is really the theme we should put it on t-shirts and wear those right it's that's the theme of, of this time who knows yeah, I, I like no one has any idea. And I know that um, last week I was on a program and we were talking about when will the economy open and what will it look like. I have a very pessimistic view. I don't think that we're going to have this V-shaped recovery that everybody seems to be thinking about. I think we have to change people's minds that they're going to want to go back out there and actually be around people again. And we're going to have to encourage people who are in debt to spend more money on consumable items like going to restaurants and movie theaters and other places. So there's two hurdles you got to get over before you get people actually um, actually uh, spending the way they were before March 15th. I I just don't I think it's going to be a totally new reality for uh, for for us. Um, The student benefits I wanted to talk about. So this is interesting because, as you know, students have received this benefit, one thousand two hundred fifty dollars a month. Uh, more if you're taking care of somebody, if you're a depend, if you're uh, if someone is dependent on you. Um, but what they're saying is that you need to be looking for work during okay. the summer. So that's and one that, of the things. And that's one of the criticisms is that they're not treating it like the CERB, where you don't need to be looking for work. With the student benefit, you have to be actually actively looking for work. So a lot of students are saying that that does, that seems really unfair. Because well, what does that mean? Well, how do you prove that? Exactly. Mm-hmm. How do you prove that? How do you yeah. track that? Um, this was, um, I think they, they, uh, the Liberal government made a deal with the, the opposition party. They wanted that line in there uh, for the student benefit. And uh, there's okay. been a lot of criticism about how that is really unfair for students because students who are, um, students who are out of work, uh, you know, back from university or college, and normally work in whatever job they work in, uh, they're just like anybody else. Like they're not no different than any other person that's out of work. And they, and in fact, they depend on this money so much for the rest of the year because they don't make money or all that much money. Um, and that's not. I thought that was the criteria. I thought that if you were expecting a job in the summer um, and it just didn't materialize, then you could apply for this thing. Is that, not, is that not fall into the... Yeah, category? but you have to always be ready and available for work. And so a lot of... Uh, they're getting... According to this one website I looked at, they're getting emails always about the jobs that are available. And a lot of them are in high-risk jobs, like at factories, like these, you know, like at places where um, essential services are, are needed, but they're not qualified to do these jobs. And so are they mm-hmm. expected to go out and do these jobs, like are, to work at a meat packing factory where there's all these outbreaks of COVID-19? It seems... Uh, really unfair that they would have any expectation um, uh, of that. That's an interesting question in general. Uh, you know, if if you are un- unemployed, right? You know, I mean, before this pandemic, we had a lot of people in Canada who are unemployed, and there are jobs available. Are you allowed to to wait for the one that that you want that, that you're qualified to do? Isn't that normally how it works? 
uh, when it when it comes to unemployment insurance or to, for the CERB? Yeah, like it just you know, if somebody said, "Well, this job's available," nobody can go and make you do that, right? Yeah, exactly. I, and I think that the student that the benefit probably would be the same, but I think because it's not a stipulation with the CERB, but it is with the student benefit. That's I think what the problem There's is disparity that disparity there. Yeah. yeah, why are they treating them differently when they're both just in, income replacement? I mean, that's all they really are, right? Um, and they're not getting very much money. Like, why are they getting 1,250? Why aren't they getting $2,000 like the rest of, you know, of working Canadians, as long as they meet that criteria? Uh, I mean, I would- with kids, if you have a kid, then you get 2,000. I heard that's the new, new number now. Yeah, so that's exactly what, it, if you have a dependent, then you get $2,000. Yeah, um, or, or someone else dependent on you, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and um, uh, the, the issue is, is that I think students are feeling, because unemployment, like going back to the unemployment numbers, uh, yeah, young people have been hit hardest. Their unemployment rate is actually close to 30% uh in this in this in this uh in this pandemic uh more than you know um the average canadian so they're struggling more than anybody else to find jobs and then being told well you're going to actually get less money too because we think that you know your work is less valuable i'm not sure exactly what message they're trying to send with by saying that it seems to be just a whole lot of things that they're throwing out there and seeing what the feedback is um you know We'll see. We'll see what comes of it. I don't. Does does do the responses change? Uh, what happens? I think so because they obviously they change the the one for the dependent student with a dependent from seventeen fifty to two thousand for some reason because yeah. people are continuously rethinking these things. So and they opened up the CERB to be for uh, people who uh, people allowed to get royalties. The the thousand dollar right. You're allowed to get a thousand dollars a month still. That wasn't how it was before. So they just keep changing it. And, uh, and, and they just keep making it more, um, I guess, accessible for everybody else, uh, too. Um, so let's keep giving feedback and keep talking about it. And maybe that's what, what makes it uh, change, right? Yeah, I think that if you have a specific situation and you're falling through the cracks, as we've been talking about, you, like, you know, you're someone who does not check all those boxes, you can't take advantage of the benefits, that you definitely have to let other right people know like let your local mp know yeah. uh, let you know so that they know that there are people that are uh you know just happen to uh, have been on mat leave during this time or just happen to have you know been on disability or something that maybe they're not considering um or you have four kids and even though your job is still available you simply can't do it because all your kids can't. are at home That's right it, yeah right? yeah I had somebody so, say to me that oh this week uh, oh but there's nothing for me they, they said I said you know what if you've looked into all of it and that's the truth, then yeah, I, I can't argue with you. And then please do go talk to somebody, you know, uh, official about that. But at least make sure that you look into all the options because maybe there is something for you in there. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, I'm just looking up, you know, the 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 CESB, the Canada Emergency Student Benefit. Yes. Um, uh, you know, one of the ones that your wife is taking advantage of volunteering and getting that, that extra tuition. Yeah, we'll money. see how that goes. I don't know how that's going to work, but yeah, it seems like she would qualify. Yeah, I think she would definitely. So that's $5,000. So if you, if you are willing to volunteer during this time that you can have that as a grant when you go back to school in September, which is great. Yeah, which is amazing. Twelve fifty a month uh, for students who are who are unable to find work, and two thousand dollars a month for those people who have a dependent. And then there is criticism about you know the government saying that um, they will they want you to be actively available to work. Um, so that that's that seems that seems a little unfair because that's not yeah. the way that CERB. So if that's the case, she wouldn't qualify for that two thousand dollars because 
medical school is taking up her time as well as the baby. So there's no uh, availability to work there. Yeah, exactly. So um, the condition, the 5,000 is great because that's, you know, but yeah, if you're not available to work, I guess that's it, right? Nothing for you. Um, no, I, I don't think it's that cut and dry. I think that she would be able to make the case that there are reasons why she cannot go out there. But I think what they're trying to say is that if you have time and you can, you should be looking for work. I, you know, it's very gray. And I think that it's just I think they should have just made it like the CERB, made it yeah. simple, made it easy, not put any unnecessary stress on um, on, you know, looking at the Canada summer jobs program and seeing what's available. Like they don't need there's no summer jobs like just nothing. Yeah, no, there's nothing really no. happening. Like, why yeah. are you putting under your stress? Um, you know, this week has been interesting. We're kind of like settling into the pandemic, settling into this new normal. And um, uh, people continue to tell their stories about how uh, there was a really good uh, article in the Toronto Star about uh, how people are spending their CERB money. Um, you know, a lot of people are saying that I'm actually getting more money than I was before. So I'm using the extra to pay down debt, which I thought was really great. I mean, if that's yeah. your situation, good. Take advantage of it. Pay your or debt save, down. Right. Because exactly. like you said, when it runs out, if you if you don't fall into that EI situation, ah, you might, you know, before they figure things out, hopefully they figure things out by then. But if they don't, you may be in a spot where you got to rely on savings for a little bit. And, you know, again, for the future, we don't know when the next thing like this is going to happen. So we'll probably be changing our saving patterns too. Yeah, exactly. So if you can carve a little bit of money out of the CERB, I know it might be impossible for some people and put it away into an emergency fund or pay down debt. That is the best thing that you can do. Absolutely don't spend it on any extra, you know, consumable things. Please don't buy anything extra. Although there was a couple of people in there that did buy extra things for their kids, Uh. which, um, you know, you do what you've got to do for your mental health and your children's health. Um, You know, they may, just be bored and you need to get them some stuff to keep them occupied. I understand that, but be careful because that can get really, really out of control. Mm-hmm. So um, I think the this has been a great podcast today. We've answered quite a few questions about the CERB and sort of this new wage subsidy, subsidy program, how it's been extended. Um, and the employment numbers, you know, I got to say that I thought the April, I thought the March numbers were bad. This one just, it just knocks the wind out of you when you think about all the people that are out of work right now. And they they seem to be coming up with reports uh, every week, you know, enough to enough to feed. Uh, you're you're pretty busy talking about this stuff all week, right? So, you're gonna, there's going to be something to talk about every week, and even if it's revisiting the same things, just to refresh us to where are they at, uh, what are how are people doing with those things? Are they helping anyone? Who is missing? And what are they doing to make sure all Canadians are helped in this really weird time that we we live in? Yeah, I really recommend to anyone listening that if they're wondering about the benefits that they go to Canada.ca to get the information from the source, whether it be that, you know, you're wondering whether you qualify or whether you should apply for it. All the answers are going to be there and much more clear, uh, you know, you're going to be able to. And, and then on top of it, you'll be able to apply through through that website as well, too, for any of the benefits or at least get links right away. Um, we want to answer all of your questions here on Dear Ruby. Um, we've been, I've been getting some questions about maternity leave, about other things that people specifically are wondering about when it comes to their money. If you have any question, please 
go to our website at dearruby.com. That's D-E-A-R-R-U-B-I.com. You can uh, you can record an answer, a question and send it to us, or you can email us a question and we will try our best to get it answered on the podcast. During COVID-19, Bo and I will be meeting every week to talk about the week, what happened, what's going on with your personal finances, what's going on with your money, and try to bring you the latest information um, when it comes to your pocketbook and how you can best manage your finances uh, during this really tumultuous time. All right. See you next week. See you next week, Bo. Take care.